Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life, and where we answer the question, what does food mean to you? This is Maria Liberati. In today's episode, I share a recipe for a simple yet delicious orange marmalade tort, and I get to interview recipe developer and wellness writer, Beth Lipton. Join me, and don't forget to tell us in a recorded soundbite of 60 seconds or less, or a social media post of 50 words or less, what food means to you. Hashtag it, the Marie Liberati Show, and post on social media or email it to me at maria at marialiberati.com. And if your soundbite or quotes are selected to be part of an upcoming segment, I'll send an autographed copy of a book from the book series, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, to you as a special thanks. I love having my listeners be part of the show, so come on and join in. So if you have a jar of artisan or homemade orange marmalade in the pantry, here's a quick dessert. You know, everybody's home and seems to have a lot more time at home and and always looking for simple yet delicious but yet healthy desserts. Orange marmalade is one of my favorite ingredients, uh, my favorite things to make in the winter, and I will be doing that on next week's episode, sharing my recipe for the blood orange marmalade that I'll be doing in my test kitchen this coming week. If you have a jar of it on hand, if you have a jar of another type of preserve, fruit preserve, you can also use it. I love using oranges in this time of the year because oranges are so good for you. And that's why I'm calling this my winter wellness episode. This makes a great evening dessert to accompany a glass of Prosecco or even makes a great afternoon snack. To put together a quick snack or dessert and to make this even simpler, you can buy ready-made puff pastry. And this recipe makes six servings and it only has five ingredients. Yes, and uh, you can even serve this with fresh slices of fruit. If you choose to use the orange marmalade or orange preserves, use freshly sliced oranges or another type of fruit that might coordinate with it. Any fresh fruit really will do. Fresh fruit is always a good thing. Here's the recipe again. It makes six servings two sheets of puff pastry, one 12 ounce jar of orange marmalade or preserves or another type of fruit preserve, one egg yolk, one tablespoon of unsalted butter, a tablespoon of flour. You're going to preheat the oven to 375 degrees first. Butter and flour a pie pan. Now, if you don't want to butter and flour the pie pan, one of my favorite things to do is to get parchment paper and cut it to fit the size of whatever pie pan you're using. If you do that, you're not going to need to butter and flour the pan. So that eliminates those two ingredients. Remove the puff pastry from the package. Line the bottom of the pie pan with one sheet of puff pastry, cutting off the excess dough to fit. Spread a layer about one eighth of an inch thick of orange marmalade, setting aside two tablespoons of the marmalade or the preserves for later. Then you're going to top that with the remaining sheet of puff pastry and seal the layers by pressing down gently with your fingertips. 
you can also go around the sides of the pie pan pressing down with a fork and sealing the layers bake this at 375 degrees for 30 minutes remove from the oven let it cool when cooled spread the two remaining tablespoons of orange marmalade on top serve with fresh fruit and you have a simple dessert this can be gluten-free there are many gluten-free substitutes out there for the puff pastry you can find that if you're if you can't find that don't know what to use and you want to make this gluten-free email me at maria at marialiberati.com or message me on any of my social media and uh, i'll let you know exactly what to use i will be sharing that recipe for a blood orange marmalade on my blog and my podcast next week so if you'd like to wait till next week to get that recipe and make the orange marmalade yourself you know this time of the year you can find great oranges this is the time of the year to get them and the blood oranges if you can find them they are out there but you can do the recipe with regular oranges also I know everyone cannot always find blood oranges and you can find more easy and artisan recipes in my gourmand world award-winning book series the basic art of italian cooking there is let's see there's the basic art of italian cooking holidays and special occasions there is the basic art of italian cooking which was the first book that started the whole series and the basic art of italian cooking da vinci style which is also about leonardo da vinci's life as a foodie and it includes recipes from all the places that da vinci lived in and then there's the basic basic art of pizza, the basic art of pasta, the basic art of coffee, the basic art of cocktails, the basic art of a Tuscan wedding, and the basic art of experiencing Venice. You can find all of those books on my website at marialiberati.com or the publisher's website artoflivingprimamedia.com or anywhere books are sold online. So please check the books out and also stay tuned for my Facebook Live events that I do every week. Just go to my Facebook Live, rather my Facebook account, and you can find out when I'll be doing the next one. And we'll be interviewing Beth Lipton next, recipe developer and wellness writer here, but she'll also be a special guest on my Facebook Live event sometime this week as well. So check it out and stay tuned because I will be doing some more live events that you can be a part of online and as always if you have any questions feel free to write to me directly at maria at marialiberati.com hi this is maria liberati and you're listening to the maria liberati show and i have uh this week's special guest she's really interesting is freelance food writer and recipe developer beth lipton and um beth gets a lot into a topic that i love which is clean eating and uh, but she's gonna really explain that to us because as beth has said there are lots of different nuances and um, but Beth, can you tell us the connection between food and self-care? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. So I think that food, I mean, food and self-care are so linked. And one thing that I see with people is 
this sort of fear of food or this idea of food as kind of the enemy. Um, a lot of like, well, I was bad because I ate X, Y, Z, or, you know, this is, this kind of food is bad or, um, so I think if we can kind of turn that around and reframe food as, I mean, obviously food is a pleasure and food is enjoyable and food is about sharing and, and nourishment, but also that food is, is fuel to us. Food is information to our systems. And, you know, food is something that um, it, it really can make the difference in a lot of ways between, you know, feeling well and having good health versus not. So mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's really important that we think about food, you know, take away some of the like good and bad language uh -huh. and think of it more as like optimal, optimal or less optimal. Like, uh -huh. there are moments that, you know, we all agree, like, I think no matter what your dietary approach is, we all agree that like sugar is not healthy, mm -hmm. but there are moments where it is the socially acceptable thing to do to eat sugar. And the example I always give is, you know, I have an 11 year old daughter. Uh -huh. So if she made me a birthday cake, I'm not going to say, well, no, pumpkin, I can't eat that. It has sugar. In it. <laughs> like, like, obviously you're not going to do that. So in that, in a moment like that, I'm going to eat a slice of cake with my daughter and have this sort of sharing moment with her uh -huh. um, and tell her how proud I am of her and how much I love the cake. And that's a form of self-care, even though the food itself is not the most optimal food. So I think it's sort of a roundabout way of saying that I think when we look at food and self-care, um, it, it has a lot, there's a lot there beyond just, you know, what are the collection of nutrients in the food that's on my plate? Yes, that's, that's really, really important. Exactly. Because stressing out about food and what you're eating, that in itself, I guess, that's detrimental to you. Also, that could be worse than eating really bad foods too, I think as well, right? Or just as detrimental. Well, yeah, I mean, stress stress is deadly on a number of levels, but one of the things that stress does in the body when you're under acute stress is that your digestion shuts down mm -hmm. because your body is you know, preparing for battle essentially. Wow. So if you are feeling a lot of stress when you're about to eat, uh -huh. yeah, I mean, not only are you not going to enjoy the process and are you probably not going to feel that great afterwards, but mm. you're also not absorbing the nutrients from the food too. So there's like a short-term and a long-term, wow. you know, problem with stress. Yeah. So I would say if you are feeling a lot of stress when you sit down to eat, mm -hmm. give yourself a moment and take a few really deep breaths and just bring down the level of stress. Um, so that you can, I mean, A, just enjoy your meal, but also so that you don't feel terrible after you eat. And I, and I think um, now that we're bringing this topic up about stress, but it also is, a, you know, a good topic, I guess, to bring up now because so many people, you know, are stressed out about everything. But, mm -hmm. but you can also, one of the things I talked about with one of my other guests, how cooking and and eating a great meal or something that you like actually takes the stress off of you and um you know you can use that as kind of a de-stressor i guess correct yeah absolutely you know if cooking is something that you find enjoyable definitely and if it isn't or you find it stressful then i would say look for the ways to make it less stressful you're right so, i didn't even think then, of that it's not it is not necessarily a not stressful thing for 
for people. You're absolutely right. Yes. I mean, even yeah. even people who love to cook may be feeling fatigue around cooking, given yes. you know the lack of ability to go out to eat and all of that. So yes. um, it's it's perfectly understandable if people feel that way. And I just think you know make it easy for yourself. If mm -hmm. you find that you have more energy in the morning and less at night then plan to make your big meal of the day earlier in the day and have scrambled eggs for dinner. Like they're, you know, make it as easy on yourself as you possibly can. Exactly. That's, I think that's the most important thing and, and take away as many stressors as you have to. But um, so one of the things I know people are always, I always see this online and people talk about it a lot. So what are, are there the best foods to eat before going to bed? Should people not eat anything before going to bed? It's probably not like a one, you know, it's probably different, I'm, I'm sure for everybody. But if you had to, if somebody asked you, what are the best foods to eat before going to bed? What would you recommend? Well, so it's a balance. I mean, I would recommend not eating at least two or three hours before bed. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want your body to be working on digestion when you're trying to rest. Yes. But having said that, you also don't want to go to bed hungry, like uh -huh. feeling the physical sensation of hunger, mm -hmm. because that can also wake you up in the middle of the night. Your brain will essentially send out an alarm that you're starving and you'll wake up. Yes. So I would say if you are consistently hungry at bedtime, then I would look at what you're eating for dinner and see if you can't make that last meal more satisfying, mm -hmm. um, which to me just equals eating more high quality protein. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are going to eat something before bed, um, I wouldn't do it right before bed, but mm -hmm. you know, within an hour or two before bed, I would look for things that are, you know, not too hard to digest that can bring you, there's certain nutrients that can help you sleep. Like magnesium is really good for sleep and there's magnesium in, in nuts and seeds. Mm -hmm. So, um, and having a little bit of complex carbs at night can help you drift off. Mm -hmm. So having something like an apple with a little bit of tahini or nut butter on it, um, that's something that could help you fall asleep. Um, or if you, you know, if you, if you eat grains, something like a, a really, really small portion of oatmeal with some, some nuts in it, something like that will help you drift off. That's, that's great. Yeah, they're, and they're all healthy snacks and de definitely. So you are a recipe developer and I know of, of that field, everyone is always so fascinated with, wow, I would love to be able to develop recipes and how do you go about doing that and all that. And um, so why don't you tell us about your process of developing recipes? Everybody I think is curious about how that works. Um, sure. So um I work for a lot of magazines and some brands as well. Mm -hmm. And everybody's process is a little different, but I'll give you sort of a rundown of like a typical magazine story. So yes. a magazine will come to me and say, we want to do a story about XYZ topic. It's going to have six recipes in it and it's going to be in the May issue. Mm -hmm. So that gives me an idea of the time of year for seasonality mm -hmm. um, and a general subject. And sometimes they'll say like, hey, don't put any cucumbers in it because we're focusing on cucumbers in another part of the issue. Uh -huh. So then I will go away and I'll come up with the six recipes that they want. I'll come up with 10 or 12 ideas uh -huh. that fit the story. And I bring it back to the editor. And then the editor will usually either just straight up choose from the ideas that I presented 
or they might, you know, want to change it a little bit or tweak it or combine two or something like that. And eventually we come up with a final list. Uh-huh. And then I go away and I develop the recipes. And to do that um, depends on the recipe. If it's if it's something, sometimes it's something I've made a version of before. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes it's something that requires research, especially if it's like a cuisine I'm less familiar with. Oh yeah. Um, I'll do some research. Uh-huh. Um, and then I like to write down the recipe first. Not everybody does it that way, but mm-hmm. I'll write down what's essentially a recipe for the dish mm-hmm. and. Um, just knowing that I may change it as I go Uh and then I shop for the ingredients and, and then when I, when I go to cook the food, I'm, I'm paying attention to everything, including like, how long is it taking me to prepare the ingredients Uh and cook? Because usually that gets put into a recipe. Um, as I, as I'm putting together the food, I'm getting a sense of like, is my seasoning right? Or do I need to tweak something or change something? Uh Sometimes it's as simple as like spooning out a spoonful of spice before you go, you know, this looks like too much or too little. Uh Um, I'm paying attention to, I I weigh all the ingredients. So Uh as I'm, as I'm developing, let's say I'm chopping an onion before I do that, I'll weigh the onion and then I'll measure how many cups of chopped onion that yielded. Um, so I would say to anybody who wants to be a recipe developer, I hope you are like very anal. <laughs> um, and then I, I cook the dish. If it's something like a dressing uh-huh. where, you know, I may be adjusting as I go. Uh-huh. If it's something, if it's like a baked item, then uh-huh. I may have to bake it and then bake it again a few times. Uh-huh. And I'm just noting as I go, I'm just noting what I'm doing. And then the finished product happens one way or the other. And then I, ch- you know, I'll measure the yield. So let's uh-huh. say it's like a soup or a stew. I'll measure how many cups it is or whatever. Right. Um, and then I test it out. I eat it. I serve it to my family. Um, and we kind of talk it over. How uh-huh. is it? Does it need this? Does it need that? Is it, you know, how's the temperature? Is it, if it's neat, like how, you know, did I cook it to medium rare? You know, all of that. That's cool. um, And then, you know, sometimes recipes often require more than one round. So yeah. I'll go back and do it again. So when people say "Oh, to my husband, oh, you're so lucky, I'm always <laughs> like, yeah, but he has to eat the mistakes too. <laughs> and they don't realize how much time goes into, you know, it's just like, I know you've written books, right? You know, mm-hmm. there's so much time that goes into that. People don't realize all the time and into doing, you know, a recipe, but I think you really have to be, which it sounds like you are, and it's a compliment, obsessive about what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? You really are, because you have to keep trying it and making sure it comes out absolutely, you know, the best and all that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, the, the worst, like my worst nightmare is like, no, not my, I know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in this scenario, my worst nightmare is that someone out there you know, is flipping through this magazine, they find my recipe, they make it. And for whatever reason, it doesn't work for them. Like, yes. that, I mean, that's the worst, the worst. I mean, yeah. I, that's happened to me. And I, it's a terrible feeling. You've wasted your time and your money. And so I, I'm always thinking like, who is the end user who is making this recipe? Mm-hmm. And that's always a question I ask my husband when we're eating the food, like, okay, if you made this, Mm-hmm. you know you brought this home from a magazine and you made this how would you feel and if he's not uh-huh. like I would be so psyched and like I would cut it out and make it again uh-huh. then I know it needs it needs more work yes um, so yeah I'm definitely definitely obsessive and very detail-oriented I think people do think that it's like 
what I do is like cook stuff all day, but right. there's so, and I get that, but there's so much more to it. You know, yeah. all the weighing and measuring and, and shopping and dishes and, you know, there's a lot, but I mean, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. And you, you know, obviously, yep, you have to love it and it shows in your work, but you know what I did forget to ask you, you have such an interesting background and you've, you've worked with some of my favorite magazines and things. So why don't you tell us, that's what I was going to start off with, but Tell it, share some of that with us, like some of the magazines you've worked with and or, inter, you know, stories that you've worked on or traveled. Um, I understand that you, so have you um, traveled for some stories that you've written also? A little bit. I'm, most of my work travel, I mean, not right now because of COVID, but yes, generally. Well that, of, yep, I mean, in the past, right? Yeah. Most of my work travel has been more to go to conferences oh, and okay. trade shows. Mm-hmm. Um but I have, I have traveled a little bit for other things. I used to be the food director at Health Magazine, uh-huh. and I used to travel for events. Like uh-huh. we did, we had these like fit foodie events, and we uh-huh. would have like a 5K race, and there'd be a dinner the night before, and then like a, a festival after, and I used to travel for stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, so that's been most of the travel. So I worked at Health Magazine. Um, I worked at a magazine called All You, which is sadly since folded. Um, which yes, is also I, a time I do remember that magazine, um, by the way. And now yeah. as a freelance, oh, I, it was, it really was a great magazine. Yeah. Um, and then now as a freelancer, I work for a lot of different publications online and print. Um, mm-hmm. I work for foodnetwork.com, mm-hmm. uh, clean eating magazine, clean plates, which is a website, uh, live strong, um, well and good. So yeah, all over. And then some brands too. I work with butcher box and I've done recipes for, U Theory, which makes um, collagen powder and other supplements. And um, I've done uh, Primal Kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really like working with brands as well as magazines. It's really Yeah, fun. that's it's probably really, yep, interesting um, working with a specific brand and I guess mm-hmm. fitting into that recipes into that brand or that brand image. So that must be really, really interesting as well. So I understand you do virtual cooking classes also. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. Um, I give talks on food and wellness to companies. And I Uh also do, um, I do cooking classes. Sometimes it's it's just a demonstration and sometimes it's a class where the people watching are are cooking along. Uh Um, and that's really fun. I love, I mean, I used to do it in people's homes, but yes, now it's all virtual, but it's really, it's either way. It's really yeah. fun. Yes. So uh, what I wanted to do too, is let people know what, so where can people find you? Or do you have a blog? I'd be surprised that you don't. <laughs> I actually don't have a blog. Oh um, <laughs> you probably don't have time to have I it. Don't. I don't, you know, I'm always making, I make content for everybody else, but yeah. I mean, I, I have an Instagram and I, it's sort of, it's sort of a blog light because wow. I do post a lot of recipes. Yeah, and- I was going to say, you know what? I I really think that blogs, like when I started my blog over, gosh, that was like 15 years ago. That was like the big thing. But I think with Instagram and everything else, I, I really think that the blogs are kind of going the way of dinosaurs and uh, Instagram and, and all these other uh, TikTok and all are going to be, you know, more out there than than the blog so but anyway so people can find you on instagram then yes um my instagram is cookie pie 0402 okay 
That's great. Um, <laughs> and Beth, generally, I ask my guests at the at the end of every interview, what does food mean to you? So what does food mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, it means a lot to me because it's my it's my living it's my work. Um, but food to me is um, I mean, sort of like we were talking about earlier, food to me is it's nourishment and it's sharing and it's pleasure and it's fun. Uh -huh. Um, you know, food is, you know, fuel to the body, but it's also like, I mean, I don't mean to be like corny, but like fuel to our souls too. I mean, there's mm -hmm. such, we have such an emotional connection to food. Um, my mom passed away last year and oh, I still think about like so many things that so many memories I have of her connected to food in one way or another. Uh -huh. And I don't think that's unique to me at all. So I think food is, um, I hope that that people are able to sort of in their quest for health, they're able to sort of see food as an ally and a friend instead of like something to fight against. Because yeah. um, to me, it really it really is just, you know, one of the joys of life. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Yep, I and I love that part about your mom. I'm so sorry to hear. I know I lost my dad not too long ago too, but oh, I know sorry. that food creates those memories and I still have memories. Some of my fondest memories are the foods that he loved to eat and that we would eat with, you know, we knew we would enjoy with him like different things and all. So food does create lots of memories. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you, Beth Lipton, for being a guest. And yes, yeah, so people can find you on Instagram. Tell us your Instagram handle again. Again. Yes, it's cookie pie zero four zero two. Great. Thank you, Beth. I, Thanks so much. And um we look forward to airing this podcast. And uh we're gonna do something on Facebook that everybody can watch also. So you'll be able to see Beth talking about clean eating on my Facebook Live. Thanks for joining us and listening to the Maria Liberati Show. If you have any recipes that you want to show off, take a picture of your orange marmalade tort or your own version of my orange marmalade tort and uh, share it. Post it on social media. Hashtag the Maria Liberati Show. We'll be sharing it on my website in the next few weeks. So please do share. We love to see those pictures. Thanks to my producer, Britton Roselle and this week's guest, recipe developer and wellness writer, Beth Lipton. Go to my website, marialiberati.com to keep up with my blog and the show and my book series, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking. And don't forget, you can find any of my books from the Gourmand World Award-winning book series, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking at marialiberati.com, at artoflivingprimamedia.com, which is the publisher's website, and anywhere books are sold online. You can also follow me and keep up with my events, live events, Facebook live events, any virtual events that I'll be doing coming up. You can follow me at Instagram at Maria Liberati, uh, on Twitter at Maria Liberati with a capital M, on Facebook at Chef Maria Liberati, on LinkedIn at M Liberati. And don't forget to post your answer to the question. 
what does food mean to you in a recorded soundbite of 60 seconds or less or a social media post of 50 words or less hashtag at the maria liberati show post on social media share with everyone or email it to me directly at maria at marialiberati.com if your answers are selected for an upcoming podcast segment you'll receive an autographed copy of one of the books for my book series the basic art of italian cooking a special thanks and that's it for this week until next week peace love and pasta